Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is what a real-life loss looks like, people. It wasn't last week when we eked out a tie with the Cleveland Browns in spite of what Cam Hayward said. This was a rib-kicking, gut-wrenching, rub-your-nose-in-it failure of the highest order. We have a glimpse of the future, and it looks a lot like 2017. And it's hardly worth doing the analysis. We only need to pull out the defensive stats for any number of games against real NFL quarterbacks last year as they eviscerated our soft underbellies, exposing the entrails of a secondary that would secretly prey on the sidelines that the offense would distract the fans like a hot shooter at a craps game at Nemecolin Woods Casino. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud contributor to the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's September 17, 2018, episode 56. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and I am happy to report that Nick is joining me in Washington, live in studio. Yep. We, we are here to talk about a 42-37 to 37 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in Hines Stadium. And we are here to tell you that all the purported efforts to shore up the secondary have fallen short of our hopes, if not our expectations. Yeah, so once again, got to come on a podcast and introduce it by saying, I really don't want to do this podcast right now. Even the sort of pre-show prep we just talked about right now almost got me worked into a lather, but I think that's probably good for show business and what we're doing right now. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Frank V. V is in Victor. That's not his last name. But Frank reached out to us last week to tell us about some technical difficulties about our show posting. We got on that, and I uh, appreciate the heads up, though, because we wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Thanks, Frank. So I talked about this all off-season, right? And I went back and forth with a couple guys who I really respect and like their takes on Twitter as far as it goes with the Steelers. And I told them the same thing that a couple other big writers had said. John Ledyard, who's an incredible NFL scout, uh, kind of controversial in the Steelers community because people could feel like he can be really negative about the Steelers, which he can. But that, to me, is just because the guy cares. Right, But I felt like him and I were two of the only people really talking about this in terms of like the Steelers didn't get better over the offseason. They got worse, and uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. When we knew what they had to improve with that safety and inside linebackers position, and they didn't do enough to address that. So when I watched that game yesterday, that's what it screamed out to me. It was uh, 
there has been no improvement on defense. Do I think the defense is going to improve over the course of the year? Of course I do. But I just think that that upside is limited. I think that there is a true lack of talent. I think there's one player on the defense who is a true, consistent de- uh, difference maker, who's Cam Hayward, who did do some great stuff in that game. Um, and then I think, you know, TJ Watt, uh, Mike Hilton, there's guys with upside and who are playing well. But, man, there's liabilities out there. And this coaching, I wouldn't be shocked to see Keith Butler gone in season, which would be crazy for a Steelers team. Or maybe if he's not gone, they'll turn the play, make, uh, play calling duties back to Mike Tomlin. But long story short, we're not any better on defense than when we were in that Jacksonville game. And I just think that the upside is relatively limited. Now, on the other hand, it's only the second game of the season. And a lot of weird stuff happens. You don't really know who an NFL team is to really week five or six. And it is classic Steelers fashion to bounce back next week against a hot Tampa Bay team. And what Ben did on offense is encouraging enough. And I think that the Steelers will fight back from this. Well, the question is whether there's improvement and it can be consistent improvement. The fact is, as good as Pat Mahomes was on Sunday, and he was great, he actually hadn't figured out the Steelers until the second half. And he realized that we hand the middle of the field over to the offense. He was doing a lot of, a lot of things on the, side, on the sidelines, and then he realized, oh, I'll just pass it to Kelsey. That's right. It's a higher yield per pass. Or I'll pass it to Gronk, or I'll pass it to Eifert, or Same I'll pass guy. it to any tight end in the NFL because Keith Butler keeps putting freaking middle linebackers, aside from Ryan Chazier, on these guys. I mean, we'll get into more detail with that, but uh, and we got some big quotes coming up for you. Especially the Mike Hilton quote, where after the game he was quoted as saying, Yeah, man, I just feel like there were actually some communication issues at the beginning of the game that kind of spotted them a couple points. How many times do we have to hear communication issues? Are you stupid? Is Butler stupid? Or is this just... This is just a dysfunctional relationship that's doomed from the start. Let's face it. There are so many communications majors out there. I'm sure many football players are pointed towards that major because there are no jobs in communication. So there are plenty of guys, even if they didn't finish their college education, there are communications majors. We should grab them up. And even if they're role players or spiritual leaders in the locker room, we need them on the Steelers because nobody speaks English on the Steelers football team. No, there could be some sort of ropes course in their future, maybe a trust fall exercise or something. Fall. Okay. Don't fall. Okay. I, it's I don't not, understand it's, it. it's, it's beyond even making jokes. How, this, is, this is like a political... It's the only way I can deal with it. This is, a, this is sort of like political where they, they throw things that are clear, patently... I don't know if it's untrue. You can't keep throwing that same thing out in your second yeah. year. When you have had, as many people have pointed out... The entire offseason, the OTAs, preseason, and a couple of games, and we still can't communicate. And you had five years of those exact same activities before this. The first game of Keith Butler's career, that infamous game where he left Gronk uncovered. Gronk was playing wide receiver, and he literally put no player, or maybe he thought he did, but he made a defense that was... Uh, he put a defense out there that was unable to figure it out. Gronk, uncovered at the 10-yard line. I think he had two or three touchdowns that game because he was playing the Steelers, and that's how many he has when he plays us. Uh, And he left them uncovered, and he ran into the end zone. The Steelers have not improved an ounce on communication since that first day. Butler hasn't improved. That, uh, consequently, is a reflection on Tomlin. He hasn't improved. And I just... 
We talked about it in the offseason, all right? And some people tried to sugarcoat it. The defense didn't get better. You should have fired both coordinators. I could have seen them keeping Haley, but I cannot believe you would fire Haley, who had plenty of shortcomings, by the way, his situational shortcomings, which we took advantage of when he got cute last week and threw the ball in third and one in overtime. Anyways, Butler, Butler was one of the worst two or three defensive coordinators in the league, and this guy kept his job, and it looks the same right now. Do I think it can prove? Yes. Do I think it can improve a lot? No. But luckily, we have the greatest quarterback in the history of the game, and we're going to score 50 from here on out when Randy Feetner learns how to uh, how to uh, script the first uh, three jobs of the game. Well, let's hope the Steelers get out of character and hire a, a football whisperer sometime uh, before the end of the season. In other news, our favorite locker room drama king, as the Steelers spoken out again, yeah, uh, days of our Steelers back again. And you know what? AB got us in the news. I love it. Steelers use this as fuel. We need more controversy. Whether it's Marty calling out Juju last year for being good, whether it's uh, Le'Veon, Le'Veon calling out James Conner for being good, whether it's Le'Veon just existing and doing whatever he does to get attention on a daily basis, whether it's AB throwing water coolers, whether it's Ben, ben retiring. Or not retiring. It just fuels us. The controversies keep us going. And you can do nothing but laugh. Listen, this A-B drama from earlier today, or I guess you guys are listening to this probably on Tuesday, so from from Monday. If you didn't see it, uh, former Steelers um, staff member, I guess, turned writer, hater kind of guy, Ryan Scapiros, I don't know his name, Ryan S., tweeted out something saying that A.B. should thank his lucky stars that he got drafted to his team uh, like the Steelers, who already had Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, indicated that A.B. would not be able to put up those kind of stats if he were on any other team. And so A.B. tweeted back at him and said, trade me, let's see. So uh, ESPN, of course, could have, they caught the subtleties of that, which is A.B. is a diva, he's a prima donna, but he's all... But he's a hardworking diva who works harder than anybody else in the business. So you can't really call him one. He's just a little high strong. He's very prideful. That's what makes him so freaking amazing. And he's just responding to this guy after some, a very frustrating loss. And he's not being literal. This is not a trade request that he tweeted to the Steelers. But they're like, this is great news. We're going we're gonna to spin it like that. And that's how the media has been talking about it. I don't think it's that big of a deal at all. Uh, should he have done it? No. Is it annoying that they constantly find ways to get themselves in the news? No. I think it's going to fuel them. Well, I think Scaramucci, whatever his name is, ridiculous. These guys must have been a slow news day. In a, in a week, by the way, with, where there is a lot of news, when you have Josh Gordon and you had a, yeah. mid, and you had a mid-game retirement this weekend— there's plenty more news, news than AB's drama. Vontae Davis, who retired at halftime for the Bills, a former Pro Bowl cornerback who should have retired when AB turned him into a meme last year, two years ago, whatever it was, breaking his ankles for one of his three touchdowns against the Colts. That guy retired at halftime. You know who didn't retire at halftime? Ben Roethlisberger. Juju Smith-Schuster. I was about to say Vance McDonald, but you know what? You get hurt. The outlaw. Jesse James, they didn't retire at halftime. Did they slow down after halftime? Yes. But they didn't retire. There was another quote that uh, Bud Dupree had about Pat Mahomes. I thought this was actually a really cool quote. Bud pointed out something that I was 
kind of obsessing over during the course of the game. He said that Mahomes really surprised them as in terms of a guy only making his third start in the NFL. That he was it was surprising how much control he had at the line of scrimmage, both from the perspective of a coach letting him have that much control and from the perspective of him doing good things at the line of scrimmage and constantly calling audibles. But specifically mentioned the fact that Mahomes wasn't snapping the ball quick. He was waiting and trying to get the Steelers to show all their cards so that he could diagnose their weak spots, which is traditionally something that young quarterbacks don't have the patience to do. They usually try and get in, get out, and make the first read that the coach had told them. So I noticed that as well. It brings up a good point that, hey, maybe there is a reason still for you to sit guys for a year to learn a system. And maybe it makes the the Browns' decision not to start Baker Mayfield, who's clearly a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor. Maybe there's something to that. Um, because when I was watching, listen, there was a lot of wide open <coughs> plays and stuff. But uh, are you right? You know the water? Maybe some uh, some power water. There we go. I was trying to think of that stuff. What is it? Aloe. Very smooth. So Pat Mahomes is an enigma. He's like a large. Do you ever see him? Do you see him on the sideline without his helmet? He's with that hair. Yeah, it's awesome. straight up, sort of like uh, somebody out of The Simpsons. Satchel Bob. Satchel Bob. <laughs> That's right. Looks That's like a, a good big one. kid over there, but man, that 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 kid has his act together. And yeah, I agree with you. I, I wonder that the investment in the first year quarterback is such that uh, they have felt compelled to put these guys on the field prematurely. But you're starting to see guys wait out a little bit before they put them on the field. I think there's a mix of both. I think that there's definitely a value to just putting guys out on the field right away. It just depends on what situation your team is in. Because to me, if guys are going to take their lumps, let them take them. You know, Darnold, Josh Allen, I feel bad for Allen on the Bills this year. And I don't want to get too out of, out of Steelers talk here. We'll, we'll wrap this up. But we, we do have to pay some homage to Pat Mahomes because, listen, the Steelers were the problem in, the, in this game. Um, but even if they were a better defense, Pat Mahomes is scoring 25 plus points because that guy has as much talent as any quarterback who's come in a long time. You ask a lot of NFL people, a lot of legendary NFL quarterbacks, current guys, this guy is a Brett Favre-like thrower. I mean, he can make all the plays, and it was impressive to see his um, his readiness there. But he had the luxury of playing for an Andy Reid team. Andy Reid makes all quarterbacks good, and and that is a very good quarterback. So let's go to the themes of the game, and I, I don't think we should go very far between the before the first theme, which is there is absolutely no improvement on defense. The Chiefs took. Five plays on average to score their six touchdowns. What? Averaging two minutes and thirty-five minute, two minutes and thirty-five seconds on each of those drives. Can it get easier? Mahomes the- had five incompletions against six touchdown passes. Insane. Yeah, that tells you everything you need to know. Like I said, he is a baller. People can't lose sight of this. Um, this is worrisome because whenever the Steelers play against top fifteen or so quarterbacks. They get crushed. I do think that this that the Chiefs are kind of the Steelers from well the, currently, but especially the Steelers a couple years ago when the Killer Bees were all hitting on all cylinders. Not only do they have an absolutely sick gunslinging son of a gun quarterback, they've got their Ben Roethlisberger. But my goodness, they got talent. They have ty- one of the best receivers in the league and the fastest player probably in NFL history as an uh, with Tyreek Hill. Either probably the 1A best tight end in the league, 
the leading the NFL's leading rusher from last year and one of the best offensive minds in Andrew Reid. So they are loaded. And if they had scored 24 to 26 points on us, maybe even 30, I couldn't feel bad about that. But what you just said, average of five plays, two minutes and 35 seconds to score, more touchdowns than incompletions, that says something about you. It That's does. how futile it was. Right. The Steelers didn't help their cause. I mean, the... Um the first line of scrimmage was the pit ten, it was Pittsburgh ten yard line, and uh, we we did not pin them up against the twenty five until their fourth series. But after that, second half, Kansas, uh, Kansas, 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 because I'm looking at the uh, drive chart. Yeah, then you change that to KC instead KC, of KAN. Kansas City has all started from their twenty five on their last three touchdowns. And when I say last three touchdowns, that's actually depressing because that implies that there were. The previous three touchdowns. A group of first three touchdowns. So let's not turn this into the Kansas City podcast. No. Let's look at the Steelers. The middle of the field was just a swamp. And once again, I guess that has to do with, with communications that we were mentioning earlier. Guys, were, they were just getting behind our linebackers. Our um, our defensive backs were, I don't know when they were in a cover two, but they just could not. They, the Kansas City just found the perfect place for Kelsey mainly. Mm-hmm. But there were even passes on the sidelines where our guys were whiffing. It's just it's a combination of bad coaching and bad and bad players. When they're whiffing, like you said, particularly on some tackles, that's bad player. Uh, this whole thing of wide open tight ends in the middle of the field, is this new? It's not. They've been doing it forever. You know that this is a weak area, and you continue to not fix it, and that's evidenced by the fact of what you see on the tape when you watch it. You don't even need the tape. You can see it in real time. I mean, it's just way Way too easy for other teams to create mismatches against the Steelers' defense. And they don't even have to get creative. What is what covering Sammy Watkins for? T.J. Watt, a rush end, is covering one of the fastest receivers in the NFL downfield. It happens every once in a while. You remember, actually, against the Chiefs last year in the playoffs, uh, Justin Houston, their rush end, was covering A.B. That was our first kind of big play of that game. It happens, but what's more disturbing to me is John Bostick covering Kelsey. Now, they used to say that, you know, there are some linebackers. Ryan Shazier was able to cover tight ends pretty well. Telvin Smith in Jacksonville. Miles Jack, also in Jacksonville. They're really good. Uh, We're going to beat them. But, man, you can't ask John Bostick to do that. Kelsey's a wide receiver, basically, right? That is poor coaching, poor assignment football. You know it's coming, and you still can't fix it. That's what's frustrating. Well, the fact is, T.J. Watt lined up against Watkins. It wasn't as if there was no shift. That yeah. was the that was well, the play call. That makes it even worse. Damn it! So, in the old days, when you were little, and we used to watch, when we were losing, mm-hmm. we realized that it was the terrible towel we had out on the television that was our curse. Yeah, we put that in that box, locked it up, and buried it in the backyard. Where it's it down there. It's, it's like a day. time capsule. Yeah. With some other accoutrements from our home life back then, and the Steelers started winning again. Yeah, what is the talisman that's going to bring this team back? Uh, usually, it's going down twenty-one-zero because then that's when Ben just lights the fires of Greece, and all the countryside comes to watch him marvel in his own glory as well, his right arm just beams through the heart of the Kansas City defense or any defense. Well, let's talk about the thing that brought us joy—that first half and that comeback. That was that was uh, a thing of. Beauty, and that is classic Ben Roethlisberger. The first three drives were four and out, three and out. We got, uh, and then we got down to the, uh, we got down to the missed field goal by Boss. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But then 
Ben pressed his foot gently, gently on the gas pedal. Look at that. And the Steelers drove the length of the field for three touchdowns in a row. Four. Well, four touchdowns in a row. Three touchdowns at the t- end of the half to tie it at 21. Yeah. First possession of the second half, another touchdown. And look at those drives. Six plays, touchdown. 11 plays, touchdown. 10 plays, touchdown. 11 plays. They're working. Mahomes is like, well, I'll throw to this guy, I'll throw to that guy, and there's a touchdown. So there's the difference because Kansas City doesn't have a good defense. The Steelers and, are spending five minutes on a drive. Yeah. Probably good. I mean, they, they, if you yeah. listen to the announcers during the game and the sideline reporters – Purportedly, Kansas City was getting the defense was getting drained. It was a very hot day. Yeah, but our players said the same thing. Everybody was hot. Everybody was tired. That clearly didn't have an impact on the game at the end. Yeah. So I mean, we will work on some of the positive here. Is the, the offense was great, and by the offense, I mean Ben Roethlisberger. So he did a pretty good job shutting up people about that first game. Like I said, that first game, he had some general inaccuracy, and he had a little bit of that today too, for sure. But I do think that that weather played into a big part of it, and obviously you're looking at away Ben versus home Ben, and the Browns' defense is better than the Chiefs. But, man, uh, that whole game just seemed to me like Ben Roethlisberger moving around in the pocket and making plays and creating things, and that's great to see. So... Let's let's break this down, though, because the offense wasn't perfect, and actually a big story from the game was that the Steelers started really slow. And to me, that's an issue that's partially Ben's fault, and that's partially the Feetmaster's fault. So I believe this is two games in a row where the first two possessions of the game are three and out. So we went three and out and three and out against the Browns. We went three and out and three and out against the Chiefs. And then honestly... I felt like the first three possessions were futile for the Steelers because after the first three, we were down by 21 points already. But after those first two three and outs, the Steelers drove down the ball uh, down the field pretty nicely. They were uh, basically what happened in the beginning of that game is they got put behind the chains with penalties and this and that. But here's my problem: the first play of the game was a deep shot to James Washington, which to me seems like the most obvious Steelers move to make. A, the Kansas City defense uh, let so many people get behind them in week one against the Chargers who either dropped the ball or Rivers missed them. So usually when that happens to the defense, the Steelers come out like, we're the Steelers, we got Ben, we're chucking it, we're doing it. They also um, made Justin Hunter inactive this week and said that James Washington was going to get a bigger piece of the pie. Rookie James Washington is supposed to be a deep guy. We're going to show you our new toy. Well, James Washington, I can't wait to, to see him turn on, right? But he's... He's the slowest deep guy ever. <laughs> and Ben just missed him on that first play. It was a deep shot. We need... Feener needs to do a better job of not having these all-or-nothing first drives. The good offensive coordinators create easy completions for their quarterbacks, whether it's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, or even more average guys like a Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo, people who are really helped by their coordinators. You can't just be like, all right, we'll throw a bomb, and if it doesn't work, which even great bomb throwers, what are you doing, 30%, 40%? Well, then you're behind the chains. He needs to find better ways for them to pick up little yards one at a time. So the of games. sometimes scripting means not overcoaching. 
And maybe you need a script, I don't know, maybe you need a script at the beginning of the game, but it seemed like Ben got his rhythm when we went no huddle near the end of in the middle of the, uh, I guess, the beginning of the second quarter. Yeah, because it got out of hand quick. You're totally right. I mean, and it's funny because whenever the Steelers' offense is at their best, it's usually when they're down 21-0 and you just let go, Ben go no huddle. We've been saying this all year and all that, ever since we've had a podcast is that Ben is a rhythm shooter. When he, it can kind of take him a while to get in the rhythm and sometimes he has these slow starts in a game or even in a season but once he gets hot there's nobody who gets hotter than this guy and it's awesome to watch and especially when he's calling a bunch of his own plays so that's awesome to see we just need to uh, uh we need to see Feetner, you know be able to find a way to get Ben into that rhythm a little bit earlier. And then, of course, you know, you're not going to be able to get away with that against the Jaguars. Uh, well, actually, you probably are because that's what we do. But, yeah, I'd just like to see a little bit better job not letting games get out of hand so quickly. And uh, one thing we didn't mention at the top of this podcast, besides the defense, and we'll get into the special teams, the penalties. The penalties are horrific. Vance McDonald had two or three himself, but the Steelers lead the NFL with 24 penalties right now. Next closest team is at 18. I mean, man, that's an issue. And the Steelers lead the league with uh, seven allowed touchdowns already through two games. So the Steelers were penalized. Both teams were penalized 12 times for about the same amount. Kansas City for 76 yards, the Steelers for 90. I, I would say... I think Mike Tomlin way overstated the penalty situation. He was he was blaming the slow start on penalties. There was mm-hmm. one penalty, yeah. one penalty that actually had an effect in the first three in the first three series. Kansas City helped us out with their penalties. They had so many critical penalties where we were three and out, or we were on third down and we missed, and yeah. they had they had their, their pass interference penalties contributed greatly to Steelers' success, success especially in the right. second half. So. Penalties definitely made a difference in this game. Well, even bigger was uh, the only drive, those third and fourth drives of the f- of the first uh, half for Kansas City. Drives one, two, and three, all touchdowns. Drives four and five ended. Uh, they were on third and five, and both of those drives, and both times they got a pre-snap penalty, like a false start. So they had to go to third and ten, and we were able to stop them. So they were really just undoing themselves. Our defense never really stopped them. Obviously, Ben had a touchdown where he was pretty clearly past the line of scrimmage when he made that throw. Yeah, curious, curious. No, uh, no reverse on that. Yeah, that, that was, that, I'll, that take was pretty I'll take, I'll take it. I'll take it, man. Hey, you did Jesse James to us, NFL. You owe us a call, a game. For the next 10 years. All right? <laughs> yeah, that was playoff. That was had playoff implications. Yeah. Before we move on to special teams, I just want to note some records. Uh, I'm starting to get the yardage, but Ben did move into seventh in passing yards. Passing the great number seven. He, uh, sorry, I'll His get idol. this next week, but Ben and AB also moved up a slot for combo yards of active. Uh, quarterback and receiver Quarterback combo. receiver. Yeah. Steeler wide receivers to score a touchdown. On their first NFL reception, A.B., Mark Tavis, mm. Juju Smith-Schuster, <sighs> and today, yesterday, James Washington. That's crazy. It's crazy. It, hey, man, it almost that's a good list. That's a good list. Well, it is funny because James Washington had a catch earlier in the game that got negated by a defensive holding. We took the holding so we could have the first down. So you're right. Maybe it is Maybe it is intentional. And all right. Hopefully he ends up like the other three guys in those lists. I mean, minus the weed suspensions and all that stuff. Do you want the bad news first or the good news? Give me the bad news. The bad news is two-thirds of the specialty. Actually, let's say 50% of it because we have a punter, a kicker, a long snapper, and a returner. 
A professional do. returner. We got a real a trained one. professional Finally. returner. Might be a decent slot guy. So, uh, well, yes, I think we'll we'll hone in on that. But let's go with good news at the end. Leave us wanting more. So Jordan Berry, I don't know. He had a fantastic punt. Part of it was skill. Obviously, the bounce has something to you do with to, God smiling yeah. on us. And you got to kick those intentionally to but bounce. But he is backwards. not. He is not dependable. And you, you're a punter. That's his. Stop MO. smoking. Stop smoking. Yeah. Or smoke more. I don't know. Whatever you need to do. To just be consistent. Stay consistent. Forty-five pounds. Just punt it forty-five yards every time. How hard can that be? Man, there are guys in high school who do that. I'm surprised that they haven't brought in someone for him yet because he's played a big role in uh, already in both the first two games. He was bad in the preseason. You're. I, I love what you said about Tomlin overplaying the penalties. And Feetner said the same thing. And even Ben said the same thing. Cause they're trying to protect some people. Uh, there was one penalty in those first two drives that was really. I guess there were two penalties total. The first one was a block in the back by Vance McDonald on a zero-yard catch by A.B. So on second down, by the way. So we were going to end up in, um, in, in, in like second and long anyways. Here, do you have it pulled up right yeah, here? so Ben, complete short left to Antonio for yeah, negative two yards. it was a yards. negative two-yard play. And then we got a penalty. I was actually happy that Villanueva got the penalty. I'm like, oh, well, now we have two downs to try and get the rest of this. And they ended up declining the penalty. So the penalty didn't hurt you. Right. So, okay, then the next then the next game. Let's see. No, no, penalties, no penalties on the second possession. On the Steelers' third possession, uh, Vance McDonald, a legal block above the waist. So Yeah. Anyways. But it was on a completion of one yard. That's so much that, that, is, that is hogwash. It is. And you know what it really was? was it, I think that, you know... Should Ben have hit that first pass to Washington? Maybe. Uh, that's the same thing we've been talking about. Ben needs to develop chemistry with all his receivers. He needs to redevelop chemistry almost every year. I mean, obviously, people are making a big stink about how bad his percentage is with AB right now. I'm not even going to talk about that, you guys. I'm pretty sure those guys are going to figure it out. If that's still a problem in five weeks, we'll talk then. But they're going to figure that out. But even look at his throws to, to his two studs today, Juju and Jesse. Those guys were open. I mean, they weren't doing any crazy back shoulder throws or anything, right? So I think he still has developed that chemistry with Washington. But the problem wasn't penalties. It was very, very poor offensive line play and maybe not great play calling. I mean, the blocking was horrific. Whenever Connor got the ball, he got swallowed up right away, and Ben was consumed in pressure, which he was for a lot of the game. It wasn't penalties. He was protected. They were protecting the linemen. I'm bringing it back to the special teams. Bring it back. <laughs> Sorry. So I don't want to come down too hard on Boz, but it is very it is we suspect. Him. We do love Boz. Look at the guy. He's the man. He looks like a guy who got beat up a lot in school. But he's the man. And um, do you attribute this, these jitters or whatever, the inaccuracy to having signed the big contract? Here's the thing. You never know how this works mentally with guys. You know, that poor dude for the Browns uh, just got fired because he lost them essentially two games, kicking low and letting T.J. Watt block it uh, in that first game. I'm just kidding. That was an amazing block by T.J. Watt. Anybody who's saying he kicked it too low is like, all right, whatever, dude. But he missed four field goals, two field goals and two extra points in this game. He's out. My point is, apparently he's been kicking with an injury. And uh, you could say that's BS, but I do believe (laughs) that's true for that guy. Um, The only thing, so you don't know, like does Boz have some sort of little nagging injury that he's dealing with? He has distance. 
His distance is it seems to be his uh, his range is fine. It's his accuracy. Yeah, and that and, and that could still be an injury because it might affect the way you're. But he went motion. It's like a wide, golf swing, right? But he went wide both sides. Here's my thing. I think that he's pulling everything left all year. If you watch that Browns yeah, game definitely. with the extra points, was Very terrifying. Yeah, we terrifying. thought he missed the first two extra points in the Brown game. They barely squeaked in. You couldn't really even tell on TV. And then I think he overcompensated this time, and that's what you see what happened when somebody's got a mental thing. It's like he's going left every yeah. time, so that doesn't feel like injury to me. That does feel like mental. Um, I don't know if it's the contract or anything, but I think the contract does represent something that I sort of feel when you go into a season like this is, I mean – you cannot play better than he played last year. No. I've never seen someone with that many... I don't know how many people have ever had that many game-winning kicks in a year. So to follow that up, everyone's like, yeah, this guy's automatic. I think the pressure's really on him now, whereas last year he was still the savior from SCOBY and, the, and those guys. Right, when you're getting paid $480,000 a year, it's sort of like you, you have nothing but money on the table, and this year he got paid and the expectations are higher. I think that's a, that's a good segment for a future show. Let's hope that, that is, this is uh, just a temporary anomaly. I want to talk, before we get to the bright spot, I want to talk about the uh, Matikiewicz roughing the kicker on the, yeah, the next last on play. on the last play. Totally think he should have gone for that. Totally. There is no chance we score with seven seconds to go. No. The ball down, ball down on the 20. And he almost got it. He almost got it. You know what? That makes him the hero. That was the only way to win this game. Um, so and he got a lot of heat on Twitter from, from idiots who thought, no, that was, yeah, no, we want to get the ball in our 20 and Ben can throw an 80 yard pass. Yeah, because we've had so many successful Hail Marys in our career. Well, remember that one time when AB did it against the Dolphins? No, okay, that was dude. Boston College. Yeah, <laughs> Flutie. Uh, I think Ben did have a Hail Mary in college. I don't know. I know Cordell did, a very famous Hail Mary at Colorado. Oh, we'll go back and look at that too. And man. Is there a more heartbreaking Steelers loss besides that damn Jaguars game than when the Steelers played Miami in that snow game a couple years ago and they did the razzle-dazzle four-lateral play and A-B score but stepped out? That's tough. Anyways, uh, no, that was great. Uh, Steelers super reporter Alex Kazora put an awesome gif up today on Twitter showing that Danny Smith does a great job. Danny Smith, the special teams coach for the Steelers, does a great job of scheming blocks and making cool stunts to to get guys free to block punts. Obviously, we saw the Steelers block one last year in Cleveland. I think they blocked another one, or at least almost blocked one last week. Well, they skied Matikiewicz, and Matikiewicz actually stumbled a little bit before he got to the punter. Almost so right. he was going to block it. <gasps> and I love that he laid out for it because you're right. I mean, that there's a good chance you could have scored on that play, and there's almost no chance you were going to score another way. Danny Smith has major problems as well. He might scheme some, some, some good pump blocks, but how many penalties were there on special teams this game? I mean, at least four, five, maybe even six. I mean, and, and the, you can see on the field, there's a lot of guys yelling to each other, trying to point them uh, to each other where to line up. Like, man, Talman's whole coaching staff, it's thorough, you know? Doesn't I, seem to be tight. Let's yeah. go to the bright spot on the, the other bright spot on the special teams is Ryan Spitzer. Love him. <laughs> Spitzer. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I love AB. I guess I've been convinced you shouldn't be worried about him getting injured when he was returning punts. Yeah. But he didn't look like a returner. Well, he, he looked like a. Well, like a Crafty wide receiver. Switzer looks like he's done this before. It looks like he's gone to graduate school for returning punts and kickoffs. He's definitely an expert. And I, and I would counter by saying maybe the last year or two, AB didn't look 
quite like that. But AB was a returner first, really, when he first came in the league. And, you know, he's, he's up there in age. Your athletic prime in the NFL ends at like 27. It's crazy. So uh, AB was an unbelievable punt returner. I've only seen a few people set up blocks the way AB did. Um, I think he had more breakaway speed than Switzer has right now. But, man, that's what you see in Switzer. It feels like a real return guy again. He knows when to just take free yards that are there. He always gets positive yardage. You never are nervous when the ball's in the air in terms of him catching it. And he's very crafty, great at setting up angles. And he had a nice little game on offense, too. Surprising he was in the slot. Surprising he was in the slot and had the, had the reception. More surprising he had a rush. He had two rushes. One didn't go so well. <laughs> Oh, two rushes. I only, uh, maybe that's Freudian. I just nailed. remember the one he got. But hey, that, so keep he an eye on him. He could be a uh, special X. I didn't think that he was going to be an offensive uh, guy for us. I just thought that there wasn't enough room in the plans. But he really does look like those NFL white guys. He looks like Amendola, Welker, and uh, one of those Patriots. He does. And Edelman. His, his legs go in circular. In, in, unseen circular motions like a cartoon. Such awesome change of direction. When I rewatched the game, uh, he was actually open a couple times in the red zone, which, by the way, red zone offense, four for four. Yes, we did get aided with that nice call and some penalties here or there. But, um, man, he's got some really good short area quickness. I think they might have stumbled upon a weapon that they didn't realize they got. And I think think they – obviously are showing that they want to feature this guy. And it was a little confusing against Cleveland, but now I, I get it. I think he looks he has, good. I bet she has a high voice. I haven't heard him interviewed yet. Uh, he's a Southern, he's a Southern boy. I believe he's a North Carolina guy. It's man of God, pseudo, real religious. Good, good man. Yeah. Pseudo Southern. Anyways, you guys know that ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's what team you got to bet on this week. And, you know, we want to say Steelers every week, but you got to keep it, keep it varied, right? The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. I thought the Steelers weren't going to tie the Browns, but we did. I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to win or lose to the Vikings. He didn't. They tied. But if you think you know how, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, they are your best bet this season. And the Steelers winning all the rest of their games this year. Okay, never mind. Never mind. That's probably a little hype hyperbole there but um they got great they've been in business for a long time they got great reviews online i got a lot of friends who use them and their mobile site is easy to use so i would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us how did we do last week so we won yeah we did one out of three games yeah well i went for the long spreads the chargers uh green bay and um i won one game new orleans most of them failed us. We won one of the three, but we still have enough money to go next week. That's right. And I mean, and you know what? Damn, we were paid off right away. The Browns? I mean, we should have thought of that. The Saints always start slow. It's odd. I'm just betting on ties from here on out. The odds have gone up, haven't they? Well, they got in-game live betting, which is a super cool function of the site. They have over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Remember, fantasy isn't real. Yes, it's not real, ladies and gentlemen. Trade Le'Veon now. Buy, sell, sell, sell. He's not coming back. Why would he come back? My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional freaking 25 bucks 
free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use our promo code. You got to let them know that we sent you there. Okay, guys? Outpost25 to activate the offer. That's Outpost25 is the promo code. Visit MyBookie online today. That is M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Outpost25 when creating your account to claim up to 1000 bucks in free play. I mean, that's like stealing. They're like stealing from themselves, aren't they? You play, you win, you get paid. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through our grades as we normally do. We're going to go them succinct fashion, one at a time. Let's talk about the quarterback. So Ben was fantastic. The We have to acknowledge that the Chiefs have absolutely major problems on defense. Yes, but I don't care, man. This was a one-man team this week. I thought that the we'll get in the offensive line later. There were some guys who had some good performances. But this game, uh, let me tell you the couple things that ben, ben did wrong because he wasn't perfect. He did have a couple misses um, in the end zone, like you were pointing out to me during the game. He missed Juju on one that he probably should have hit. He missed AB on one or two. And then he had some crazy wild downfield throws. Seems like he's having difficulty again this year uh, establishing the deep ball. He hasn't hit any one big long one, but that's okay because he made up for it with mid-range after mid-range shot. Super accurate, enabling receivers to run after the catch. We had tons of yak between Jesse and Juju, which is potentially going to be a, a spinoff. That's an oxymoron. Fantasy. Jesse having yak is an oxymoron. And he you know did. What? He almost runs in reverse, but he actually had a lot of yards. Usually he just does a little tiptoe, waits to get hit, falls down neatly without falling. <laughs> that's right. Well, we'll get more into him later, but... This game, Ben created so much because there was pressure. Listen, he, he threw, what did he throw, Six, 55, 60 times, something like that? 60 passes. Well, he, let's see it. Where would he go? Uh, that's not really the point. That's taking too long. He threw 60 times. So there's going to be some pressure on you. That's a lot to ask of an offensive line. But honestly, I didn't think that they had a great game. There were people around him all game long, and this game was constantly a slimmer, trimmer Maybe one bag of cheese poofs a day, Ben. Clearly running around and making plays. I haven't seen him throw off his back foot this often in a game. And so that means Ben was a one-man team. He was creating things from nothing. He was making people get open by the time he was buying and making unbelievable throws that were very accurate and very high-level difficulty. Ben gets an A-plus for this game. I think the uh, only thing you need to know about the cheese doodles is he did run for a touchdown. Is that a nine-yard run? Yeah. Dive he ran in. Dive for a touchdown. touchdown. It's a great picture online. I don't know who got it. It's the Steelers, but, man, that looks good. Look, Nick's, Nick is uh, in charge of offense. His grade rules, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark him an A- minus because I think there, were, uh, there was a chance to score a lot more if he had been more on target with the longer passes. But he gets an A+. Plus. Let's move on to the running back and James Conner. And we'll also note that Ridley actually spelled him this game. Yeah, that was scary. James yeah. Conner was getting stretched out on the sideline. And that's one of the big things I said when we were talking about this, when Le'Veon was out. We're like, listen, I have total faith in James Conner. We, we've seen some amazing stuff in the preseason. we got to see him do it in the regular season. Obviously, he balled out against the Browns. And in limited opportunities, I think that he balled out uh, in this game as well. Now, we didn't really get – so when, when he got injured – that's what we said when Le'Veon was gone. It's like, I'm confident in James, but damn, now you don't have James Conner backing up Le'Veon Bell. You got the Riddler, who we like, and an unproven guy. So just 
depth goes away. So thank goodness he was okay. But, uh, yeah, he barely really got a touch the ball. He didn't even have 10 carries. He had eight carries for 17 yards at 2.1 yards a carry, and there was no blocking. Man, when I watched that, he was still falling, trying to fall forward and everything like that. But there was no blocking for him at all. He was getting hit two yards deep in the backfield. He did go five for five on receptions, including the one that didn't count because he was out of bounds, but we luck- he was passing interfered with, with his Odell Beckham Jr. catch. Insane. Insane. Man, that catch is almost as big as like a first down for a team because the way that it hyped that squad up was unbelievable, and it really shows you how far he's coming as a receiver. I've been pointing this out in the offseason, and in the first game, the, there's been some catches that he's had specifically that have really impressed me that tell me this guy really is now a pass catcher. Making a catch like that, wow, you can't deny it. I think this, when the Steelers got a penalty in that first quarter – on that third drive where they were starting to move the ball down the field. Um, Where was it? There it is. Ben passes to James Washington, that first reception that got disallowed because Vance McDonald had an illegal block in the back. Then that put us in first and 20. And this is frustrating because the Steelers had finally just got their first first down of the game. They're already down 14-0, 21-0, 14-0. He's looking bad. First and 20, Ben throws short to James Conner, who's surrounded by two guys. It looks like he's going to get tackled. He unleashes a Madden spin move and rumbles and trucks over some guys for a first down. Gets 22 yards. I thought that was one of the biggest plays in the game because it gave the Steelers some momentum and knocked off the Saran wrap. They had a couple nice throws to AB after that. And uh, inevitably, well, at the end of that, Boz missed a field goal. But those are the kind of plays I like to see. Limited opportunities, but made something out of nothing, which is the definition of a great running back. That's what Le'Veon does. Um, so, but as a result of the lack of opportunities, i got to give him a B. Unfortunate. It's sort of like not tipping your waitress because the, the kitchen was slow. Mm-hmm. So moving on to wide receiver. So in wide receivers, we had Jesse James well, now leading the tight end. Huh? That's the tight end. Oh, we're tight end section. We're doing tight end. Yeah, we're, we're going by position. Start positions. He might, have, might, have, might as well have been wide receiver this game, but we'll yeah. get there in a minute. So leading the wide receivers is Juju with 13 receptions on 19 targets for 121 yards. Wow. One touchdown. That's second 100-yard uh, game in a row for him. I mean, he looks like the real deal, doesn't he? What a way to, you know, they talk about that sophomore slump. You're wondering how Juju's going to start the season when now, okay, Martavis is gone. You are going to get the second the second guy. The Chiefs' second guy sucks because all their guys suck. But still, man, 13 catches, 121 yards. You see him running well in the open field. Great hands on that touchdown catch, holding it up high when the guy hitting him. He's just making quality football plays, and I love Juju. Man, what a great weapon. A.B., he had his nine catches, but only 67 yards. Ben did miss him on one or two plays. Um, that is kind of like last week. Um, he's frustrated. He's tweeting, trade me. We'll see how good I am. And um, is it over the top? Yeah, it's kind of annoying, man. You shouldn't be freaking out like this after two games. I'm glad he hasn't bad-mouthed Ben. He's very good about thanking Ben more than other receivers, by the way. But uh, some people think he didn't have a great game. 17 targets. Ben should hit him on a couple touchdowns. I give the receivers a grade of A. Interestingly, there were nine receivers during the game. Only three of them were wide receivers. So let's move on to the tight end. Let's rewind. Look at Jesse James. Five receptions on five targets for 138 yards. Jesse James with the speed of me. (laughs) Rumbling and yards after catch. He was. One touchdown, which looked 
Jesse James rule. Dangerously close to <laughs> When that to happened, I said, is this really happening again? I remember when Zach Ertz for the Eagles caught that touchdown to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl last year, and I just immediately thought, Jesse James, has this happened again? I had the same thought this game. Better play when he had reception in the middle field, caught it up, caught it up high, went up top, got the ball. Yeah, was, that was the best play of the game. Had to hold it above the little gnats swatting at his... He, that's like the third or fourth time body. he's done that. Yeah, so that was like a play or two before the aforementioned James Conner spin play, and that was really the play that took the Saran wrap off because that was Ben's first like intermediate completion. It was our first first down, and it could have been a pick easily. It was terrifying, but... Jesse has great hands um, when he's holding it up like that. A lot of times Ben throws to him high. Ben's wanted to have a guy who can – he's wanted a tree. He's wanted a skyscraper Sick for a while, more. and he uses him. And um, and that was a really nice one to have the hand strength to hold that down. But this was Jesse James' best game as a stealer. Um, him in scramble drills with Ben is a thing of beauty. They really are on the same page. It benefits being that consistent guy. We know Vance McDonald has more upside, but Jesse just keeps chugging. And Ben bought a lot of time and found Jesse in the open field. He made the catches and he rumbled. And speaking of Vance, we were very happy to see him back on the back on the field. Yeah, three for five, twenty-six yards. Not a ton, but when he got Vance can uh, Vance makes his own yards. He does his yards after the catch is really noticeable. Man, wasn't was Ben's coolest play of the game? The pump fake to the backhanded shovel pass. He looked oh, like pistol. Yeah. He looked like Rondo. That looked like a slider, and like he dislocated his shoulder getting that. Yeah, <laughs> the, hurt, the hurt elbow. Right, yeah. it was gorgeous. Yeah, the tight ends were great. I mean, Vance had a couple penalties. That's a little brutal, but he it's the first game back. Uh, that's encouraging, man. If you got two guys looking like that, they get an A plus. Moving on to the offensive line, I think we um, we kind of covered this, right? They didn't open any holes in the block in the uh, in the uh, run game. It was particularly beautiful. Brutal in the first quarter, and yeah. I, I blame Alejandro seemed to have struggles. But well, what's the game? Finney too. Finney, um, but I thought they picked up steam, and I think Ben had good protection, even though he might have had to scramble a little bit. Some of that is due to Ben just waiting a long time. So you sure. might have rated them a little lower than I would have, but give them your grade. Yeah, I think we'll, I'll give them a C plus for the game because. Okay. They didn't really have a time, have time to set up running, but like I told you guys last week with James Conner's fumble or or the offensive line gaffes last week, I think that you need to factor in timing of plays when you're considering someone's game. Honestly, uh, football games aren't one-on-one single play that's visible at the end of the game or the beginning of the game, but the fact that they were so brutal to start and helped us uh, get avalanche, that wasn't good. But you're right. He threw 60 times, and, and he was back there dancing around, and they did a good job. Uh, so they'll, they'll get a C plus. So looking at the offensive coordinator, I think we expressed our concern with the lack of creativity and game planning for the offensive coordinator. Yeah, we just need a little bit more from him. Uh, didn't really get us. He's kind of got a James Conner this game where we didn't really get to see much. He he let Ben take the reins, and obviously Ben's not calling all the plays, but uh, it was basically like pass every play. Ben will dance around and figure it out. So he could get an incomplete for this game, honestly, but i got to give him a C for maybe that. You should, maybe you should give some of this pay to Ben. Anyway, let's move to the defense. We'll go through this a little more rapidly because I think there is not a whole lot of good stuff Should've to report Should have done off in a second. <laughs> Defensive line. Uh, I didn't see a ton of pressure on Mahomes, although Mahomes got rid of the ball quickly because he had guys open quickly. What was that? That was a <laughs> was a Kermit was, the Frog. That moment there. Maybe that's why I shouldn't. You're getting indigestion this, just uh, from having to think of dogfish and pumpkin ale in the middle of a game. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. They're not paying us yet. That's you guys. That's on you guys now. Yeah, you're right though. It gives me indigestion too. Defensive line. 
They're okay. Hey, Cam Hayward Cam is a Hayward. super stud, man. He even that, forced the fumble at the fumble. end of the game. I mean, he's the man. I feel so bad for him. It reminds me of a better version of what happened to Ryan Clark. Um, his he, second to last year in Pittsburgh, where I just felt like Ryan was the only guy out there. You know what? Cam Hayward is 50 pounds away from being Ray, Ryan Chazier. Yeah. He's, you know, man, he's, he's all everywhere. over the field. He's dominant. He just he dominates people, but not enough. Defensive line, what do you give him? C. So we're moving on to the outside linebackers. Um, that was, it was interesting that the, they were moving Watt and Bud back and forth on each side, trying yeah. to confuse things. I saw Bud in the middle of the is it the MAC position a couple of times. They weren't really tested in the hmm. run game too much, although we were disappointed with the. There were a couple of uh, several runs that the Chiefs ran, ripped off, and uh, that's more mainly having to do with the inside linebackers, but. Not impressive display, but we give them a C plus. Yeah, and that might even be a lot just because it's disappointing to see Bud Dupree not abuse Fisher, Eric Fisher, who old man James Harrison got at least a sack or two every time we played them. I mean, and then on top of that, Bud is bad, and now he's committing penalties. He had two false star penalties. But, hey, TJ's looking good, man. I'm seeing him make some – he's made progress from last year where we always talk about this with our edge guys and our pass rushers. We don't want to – we we love seeing any sack, okay? But even last week when TJ had his four sacks, it wasn't really four sacks. It was one where he beat a tight end, which is great. That's what we expect him to do. It was another one that was beautiful where he fought through a double team and made a man sack. And then two other ones where he tackled a quarterback who was already running. I'm seeing him start to turn the corner a little bit better. So that's pretty cool. So we give them a C plus. Sure. Moving on to inside linebacker John Bostic and Vince Williams. Again, the Chiefs ripped off some plays. I think the inside linebackers were expected to do things that shouldn't be expected of them, which is a lot of coverage. They were dropping back. I mean, Bostic was even and Vince Vince Williams. What a Vance Vince. Vince Williams was expected to be covering Kelsey all the way back, and I think several times he he uh, let let him go to the second level without covering him, but. I, I think this is a problem in the secondary, not with the inside linebackers necessarily. I agree. I mean, I think that you, you're a defensive coordinator. You shouldn't be asking those guys to do that. And uh, so, but they, man, it just seemed like every time they gave Cream Hunt the ball, he was he was pushing up the middle. And now yeah. the further we get into this inside linebackers and getting close to grading the DBs, the more I feel bad about this defensive line grade we gave. I don't think they were a C. I think that they were below that too because inside linebackers were in starting runs. You want, to, you want to downgrade the defensive line to a C minus? Wow, yeah. on the fly, let's do it. C minus defensive line. Go with your gut. Wow, nice. Yeah, when you see it on paper, it changed. When actually, when you see it on paper, it's one thing. When you say it out loud to millions of people on your podcast, you got to make sure that they have the right info. Anyways, inside linebackers, final grade for them. They didn't really stop the run. They didn't cover the pass. Even C minus. Yeah. They so, got gashed. They got gashed. They got gashed. You know, they passed. It was wide open every time they passed, and then Hunt went up the middle with ease over and it's over because again. Because they're man. expected to watch Kelsey. Anyway, moving on to the defensive backs, I'm not going to split Ooh. this up between cornerbacks and safety because you just sometimes can't tell who blew the assignment. But there yeah. is nothing to say other than F, six passing touches, touchdowns. And, and five incompletions. Cam Sutton, you know, Ugh. Tough star for him, man. He's basically a rookie. He's basically a rookie. He's he's acting like a rookie. Artie burned. Artie got burned. Artie gets burned. Artie got burned too many times this game. It's disappointing. He didn't take his helmet off. 
So we'll upgrade him from a, an F minus. Uh, Sutton <laughs> was replaced by Sensenbon, as as you noted earlier before yeah. in the game prep. Edmonds has uh, been looked over uh, in favor of Morgan Burnett. Yeah, so Edmonds started the first game. It, I, we've been saying this all off season. I think everybody knows. Edmonds and Burnett, whether one starts or one doesn't start, they're going to play about the same just because of the sub packages they're doing. But it is worth noting that Edmonds kind of got benched a little bit for Burnett. Edmonds was pretty bad in this game. He had a chance to tackle, uh, should not a chance. He should have tackled Kareem Hunt one on one for their. I don't know, it was their third touchdown or what touchdown it was, but he got abused. So he got emasculated, man. It's like Edmonds. If there's one thing we need you to do, it, you're supposed to be an athlete. We know you're raw. Make an open field tackle on a guy. He got a BU's while uh, Hunt walked into the end zone. They were horrible defensive backs. But before we give them the final grade, we need to get pressure up front. So I think we were almost generous in our in our earlier grades. But tell them what the DBs get. The DBs get an F. Yeah, they're horrible. So moving on to the defensive coordinator. I think we have foreshadowed the grade we're going to offer the butt man. Mm, Look, butt man. these guys, they have first, second, and third round draft choices. I, I don't know how. These guys are athletic. They're as athletic as anybody out there. They're not putting it together. This communication thing, I've had it. I've had it. It's crazy. I'm not going to take it anymore. It's not about communication. It's about coaching. And man, Butler. Imagine if Ben had a, had a Browns game six, seven, eight times a year. Would he still have a job? No. They'd find someone else. Butler's been doing this for, five, what, four or five years? By the way, the last six first-round picks have been defensive players. You're right. They're getting all the chances in the world. Still have Joey Porter as a coach on the team for some reason. Steelers legend as a player. One of my favorite players ever. Definitely one of my least favorite coaches. They can't develop guys. Brutal, man. The we got to bring back our guy, our Which, 90-year-old. Which guy? James Harrison? No, I don't think he's coordinator. Oh, Dick LeBeau? Nah. His, his game has kind of passed him by a little bit, too. Even looked down at no Tennessee. Break. Yeah, he has a whole different different formula, which like Dick LeBeau's strategy was for a different era of football, which sounds weird, calling the early 2000s a different era. But his goal was stop the run and then tackle the catch. Let them have their five-yard passes and then tackle the catch. Because if you stop the run, the rest will go. We see that that's not... The point, like when the Steelers stopped running, <laughs> they were scoring. When the Patriots have beat the Steelers for years over just passing, the rules are different, the game's different, it doesn't work like that. Now, Butler's strategy is to just do the same thing and fail every time, and he's good at that. Speaking of failing, defense coordinator F, which brings us to special teams. This is tough. As I said before, we have a punter, we have a kicker, we have a, we have a long snapper, and we have a returner. And we have a professional we have returner. We have units. And we have get, units. Who get, penalty, who get penalties constantly. They, they've been a big issue in two games in a row. And this isn't going to stop An now. abomination. An abomination. But they didn't fail because of Ryan Switzer and one good punt. We're giving <laughs> the special teams a D. Woo! We'll finalize with uh, Miguel Tomlin. Mike. Man, it's... You know, Mike's a hard, another one where it's hard for me to say something bad about him, but the doubts have been creeping in, and after that Jacksonville game especially, I mean, what a debacle. I, I, I'm going to, I don't know if I'll ever let that damn thing go. It just should not have gone down like that. There was no excuse for people running rampant and wide open and throwing to fullbacks for 50-yard gains, and it was that game when I started realizing there's something really wrong with this guy. Now, 
or and what he does with his team. It's just the same problems over and over again, man. Uh, with this defense, this is now getting to the point where the sample size is so big that it's starting to fall on Mike or the fact that he wouldn't fire Keith Butler. Um, do I think the defense is going to get better? Yes. Do the Steelers always start kind of slow? Yes. The Patriots and the Saints have also started a little bit slow. I do think that they will improve, and I do think that Pat Mahomes, that freak core of skill players on that offense, and the great offensive mind Andy Reid, I think that's hard to deal with, okay? So the anger is real today, but the Steelers could lose to the Buccaneers next week. Do I think they're going to? No. But the fact that you just... Five plays. That's your average amount of plays on, for that offense. Six passing touchdowns. Same thing. Same story. Different day, Mike. So would we grade him? We, we give him an F for wasting the glory era here of Ben's twilight years. But we don't not appreciate you. We appreciate you listening to the show, and we do this podcast each week. So... We're trying to make the show better. We'd love to get your feedback. Again, thanks to Frank V, who gave us some great feedback and necessary technical feedback last week. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at Gmail. Until next week in Tampa Bay, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.